The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.org. a brand new series and I don't know about you but it's it's really been a phenomenal series amen <laughs> um this series is looking at the God kind of prosperity and I just want to recap some of the things that we learned in the last two weeks what we've been learning is really we've been looking at three views of prosperity the first view is what we call the world view of prosperity and this view says I'm going to accumulate as much as I can for myself and in whatever way I can. So if I'm going to steal, kill, if I'm going to backstab, I'm going to collect in that can and I'm going to sit on that can. Amen. The second view we looked at tries to make it sound a little bit cuter. And this is the religious view of prosperity. This view says, you know what? I'm, I'm content with what I have. I have enough. I'm not even trying to think about anyone else. I, I'm 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 all right. <laughs> The third view of prosperity we looked at, and I think it was really last week, is what we call the kingdom view of prosperity. Now, the kingdom view prosperity says the motivation for my abundance, the motivation for me having plenty is so that I can be a blessing to others. I think, uh, Dillian, you shared that scripture. The motivation for us having plenty is so that we can share with others. Now, the number way, one way, in which we can be a blessing to others is when we give to the preaching of the gospel. God in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, if I can have it in the King James Version. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And so what we learn from this passage of scripture is that it is God who gives us the power to get wealth. Now that power can be translated as anointing. God gives us the anointing. God gives us the ability. If you're creative, how many creatives do we have in this room? And I know we've got a lot in this church. If you are creative, it was God. It is God who's given you that creativity so that you can get wealth. And the reason why he says he's given you the power to get wealth is so that he may establish his covenant. Now that word is a covenant, in the new covenant, is the gospel. The gospel. So God gives you the power to get wealth so that you can primarily give to the preaching of the gospel. Now why is the gospel so important? Someone's probably asking in this room. Well, Romans 1 verse 12 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to them who believe. Now that word salvation is so awesome, guys. That word salvation comes from the Greek word sozo. And it means so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Sozo means healing. Sozo means deliverance, protection. Sozo means prosperity. And so the gospel church is the power of God to heal people. The gospel church is the power of God to deliver people, to protect people, and to prosper people. Amen. 
And so as a church, as a people, as believers, we need to get crazy about believing God for some crazy finances, right? We need to believe big for some large amounts of wealth to flow through us. Why? So that we can give to the preaching of the gospel to save a dying world. Amen. And so this morning, I just want to continue on the series we started two weeks ago. And I want to talk about partnership. I want to talk about this morning about the power of partnering with God in the preaching of the gospel. Now, partnership is, is really one of the avenues. And we're going to talk about another th- two, the other two, I believe, in the next two weeks. But partnership is really one of the avenues in which we can activate our faith and begin to connect to God's grace of provision. Amen. So we're going to start off in the book of Philippians. Go with me quickly to Philippians 1. And we're going to read verses 3 to 5 in the Amplified Classic uh, Bible. Philippians 1 verses 3 to 5 in the Amplified Classic. Now, the book of Philippians, um, or at least the theme of the book of Philippians is partnership. And so Paul wasn't writing a letter to anyone here. He was writing a letter specifically to his partners. And let's, let's see what Paul had to say in Philippians 1 verse 3 um, in the Amplified Classic. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Next verse. In every prayer of mine. I always make my entreaty and petition for you all with joy. That word joy is so awesome. Do you know that in the book of Philippians, Paul mentions the word joy, rejoice, over 17 times in the book of Philippians alone. It's probably the most times that he he spoke of joy so much. And why is this? Because Paul was so excited to be writing to his partners. So he says, I always make my entreaty and petition for you all with joy, with delight. Next verse. I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership. There we go. In advancing the good news, in brackets, the gospel from the first day you heard it until now. And so that word partnership that Paul is talking about is the Greek word kononia. Uh, In other translations of the Bible, it's translated as fellowship, but really it's partnership. So the Philippians were Paul's partners in preaching the gospel. Amen. Amen. And so let's let's go to Philippians 4 verse 15 to see what this, this partnership looked like. Philippians 4 verse 15, and we're going to read from verse 15 to verse 19 in the Amplified Translation. Paul speaking and he says, and you Philippians yourself well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church assembly entered into, come on, let's read together, partnership. He says, no church entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and a credit account in giving and in receiving except you only. So Paul begins this passage of scripture by by telling the Philippians that, church, you were the only church, right, that actually entered into a partnership with me. And what's so awesome about this, this passage of scripture is he actually gives us a definition of what partnership really is. He says partnership is opening up both a debit and a credit account in giving and in receiving, Now, some of you may have done accounting, you're doing accounting now, you may have come across accounting, right? But 
for those who haven't, I'm going to tell you something. Account in, the, in accounting, there's what's called a uh, rule, and it's called the rule of double entry. And what this rule says is that for every unit of debit, there must be an equal unit of credit for the books to balance. Okay. And so what we see here in Philippians, Philippians 4 verse 15 is that the Philippians had entered into partnership with Paul by opening up both a debit and a credit account. And the principle is really this. Whatever you give to the kingdom of God, when you give to the preaching of the gospel, what you give, in other words, what's debited from your account is never lost. In fact, it's given back to you. It's credited back to you. I love Luke 6, um, Luke 6 verse 38 so much because it says that it's not only given back to you in the same measure. It says it is given back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and as a running over harvest. And again, what's so awesome about God's system of accounting is that his books still balance. Amen. Amen. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Let's go on to the next verse. Verse 16, it says, For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. So what we begin to see here, something that Dillian touched on, really awesome, and again, I say the Holy Spirit was really flowing here, is that there is a consistency, or at least there was a consistency in the church at Philippi, or the church at Philippi's partnership. They weren't partnering as a one-time deal or as some goosebump moment when they were feeling sorry for Paul. But what we find here is that they had made generosity or they had made the partnering with Paul in the preaching of a gospel a lifestyle. Right. Amen. And then Paul goes on in verse 17 and he says, Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and I am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. Next verse. But I have your full payment and more. He says, he says, I have received, I have everything I need and I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus, okay, that too, Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent me, they are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and which, in which he delights. And then verse 19, it says, and my God will, will liberally supply, it says, will fill to the full. Doesn't that sound like Luke 6 verse 38? Good measure, press down. Well, Paul says, and my God will liberally supply your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's just stay in verse 19 a little bit. People love this verse. People love to quote this verse in isolation. It's probably one of the most quoted verses. And, you know, we always, we have a saying at this church. Well, Pastor T has a saying in this church. He says, people love to come from the middle of no, people love to come from Matlatini. And they love to come and tell us, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Without recognizing three things. The first thing is this verse actually doesn't just apply to anyone. And I'll tell you why a little bit later. The second thing, if you're going to quote this verse in isolation, I want to draw your attention to something that's quite interesting. If you'll notice, the sentence starts with the word and. And we learned in English and grammar far, far, long, long ago for some of us. 
that a sentence can't start with the word and because and is a conjunction. And what a conjunction is, it's a, it's a word that joins two phrases. It's a word that joins two thoughts. It, it's a word that joins two um, ideas together. You can't start with the sentence. You can't start a sentence with the word and. And so if you're going to quote this verse in isolation, it's actually an incomplete sentence. The third thing that people don't realize is that this sentence or this story it actually started in verse 15. And we just read in verse 15 that the church at Philippi, that the Philippians, well, they had opened up both a credit and a debit account. In what? In giving and in receiving. And so now with this context in mind, when you've understood the power of partnership, when you yourselves have entered into what? Into a debit and a credit account in giving and in receiving, then yes, as a partner, God will liberally supply. He will filter the full, your every need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Man, partnership is a powerful principle. And as we begin to partner with the preaching of the gospel, God will begin to do tremendous things in our lives. As we begin to partner with the preaching of the gospel, God will begin to take care of our needs supernaturally. As we begin to partner with the preaching of the gospel, God will bring such a transformation in our finances that we have never, ever imagined. And we're seeing it in this church. We're not only seeing it in this church, but we're also seeing it in our own personal lives. Pastor Tafara and I are partners of several ministries, ministries that have not only changed our lives, but that are changing people's lives across the world. People who are preaching the gospel to the ends of the world and are doing it at a much larger scale. And you know what? We're starting, we're seeing the blessing of partnership work in our lives. I mean, you, 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 most of you know that next week, we're off to Denver, Colorado, to minister at Wealth Builders Conference. Pastor Tafara has the privilege, the awesome privilege of being able to minister to ministers, to some really wealthy businessmen. I mean, that is the favor of God that can be released in your lives through partnership. Amen. And then the week after that, geez, the testimonies keep coming. Partnership is powerful. The week after that, we're going to be in Los Angeles bringing the grace in the marketplace concept to the U.S. of A., we're taking it out of the continent of Africa and bringing it to the U.S. of A. And this is the awesome thing. Pastor Tafara gets to share the stage with some amazing award-winning actors. I mean, really, when we looked at those guys, we were like, wow, God is so good. And again, uh, PT shared with, it, with you guys last week, our flights were paid for. Our accommodation has been paid for. And for good measure, God threw in a really cool car. So thank you, Jesus. Power partnership is such an awesome truth. And if implemented, church, in your lives can bring about tremendous results. Amen. Let's go quickly to Matthew 10. And we're going to read um, from verses 5 to 3 also. No, this time in the Amplified, the original Amplified, please. Matthew 10, 5 to 3 in the original Amplified. So this is Jesus sending out his disciples to go and minister and preach the gospel. So Jesus, the, uh, Matthew 10, verse 5, it says, Jesus sent out these 12, instructing them, do not go among the Gentiles and do not go into a city of the Samaritans, 
but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next verses, please. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Hallelujah. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And then Jesus says something really profound. He says, do not take gold or silver or even copper money in your money belt or a provision bag for your journey or even two tunics or sandals or a staff for the worker deserves his support. And so we see Jesus sending out his disciples again to preach the good news of the gospel. And Jesus tells his disciples to not take any gold, to not take any silver or any copper. In other words, don't take any money. And I believe the reason why Jesus told them to not take any money with them is actually because they had money with them, right? They had money with them that they could have been tempted to use to take care of themselves on their journey. And so Jesus says, do not take gold or silver or money bags or clothes or shoes. He says, take nothing, nada. And I remember reading this verse. I said, Jesus, Jesus, what's your game plan, Jesus? I mean, if they're not going to take anything, how on earth are they going to take care of themselves? If they're not going to take any gold, silver, they're going to how can I travel without my clothes? How are they going to live from day to day? And I also remember looking at the scripture and saying, but these guys are rich. They've got money. They've not only got gold, they've got silver and they've got copper. Surely they could have gone into the city. Surely they could have checked into the Holiday Inn or whatever fancy hotel was available at that time because they could afford it. And they could have used their money to look after themselves, right? But then as I read on, I realized that God has a much better plan. Amen. Let's read on. Verse 11. Jesus says, whatever city or village you enter, ask who in it is worthy, who welcomes you and your message, and stay at his house until you leave that city. And as you go into that house, give it your greeting. That is peace be to this house. If the family living in the house, he says, is worthy, is welcoming you and your message, give it your blessing of peace. That is a blessing of well-being and prosperity, the favor of God. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing. And so what Jesus' game plan is that we find in this passage of scripture is that his game plan was partnership. He says to his disciples, go into the city. Look for people who are worthy. And the Amplified um, translation, and I specifically chose this one because it actually defines what worthy means. Because, you know, when I read it in the King James, I, I mean, I, I asked myself, what defines, what qualifies someone as, as being worthy? And the, the, uh, the translation says, look for someone who not only welcomes you, but welcomes your message. In other words, look for a family. Look for people who not only open up their world to the preaching of the gospel, but also open up their resources to the preaching of gospel. And when you find these people, go and stay in their homes and pronounce a blessing over their lives and over their families' lives. Amen. This is what partnership is about, church. This is what partnership is truly about. And so what do we see from this? 
what we see is that there's actually a, um, a reciprocity, reciprocity, oh, that word too. There's something reciprocating that happens when you partner with the preaching of the gospel. When you partner with the preaching of the gospel, a corresponding thing happens. And what's that corresponding thing? You connect to the grace of partnership and the blessing begins to flow supernaturally in your lives. Now let's see um, how this story ends. Let's go quickly to Matthew 10, verses 40 to 41, also in the Amplified Translation. Jesus says, he who receives a prophet, or sorry, he who receives and welcomes you receives me. So he's saying when people receive uh, the disciples, when people received uh, these preachers of the gospel, they were in effect welcoming Jesus into their homes. And then he says, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So not only welcoming Jesus into their homes, but people also welcoming God into their homes. Amen. Then Jesus says, he who receives and welcomes a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And so now what Jesus starts to paint a picture here is really how honor is so very important when it comes to partnership. Jesus says, go to the people. He says, stay in their homes. If the people receive you, if they recognize, if they can perceive the gift that I've given you, if they can perceive the gift that is on their lives, then stay in their homes and they will receive what Jesus calls the prophet's reward. And I'll simply put what the prophet's or prophet's reward is. It's simply a gift or the grace um, that is available to you when you partner with a minister or ministries uh, of the gospel. Amen. And here again, I've got to mention, Jesus says, um, Jesus says welcoming, talks about welcoming a prophet. He's actually, he's not just talking about opening your doors and opening your house for prophets or people that stand in the, in the, in the, in the office of a prophet. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is the ability to cultivate an, a culture of honor. What Jesus is trying to talk about here is having the ability to perceive a gift, having an ability to perceive people, ministers, ministries, churches that God has sent to minister to you and honoring them. And through our partnership, enabling these ministers, ministries, churches to do everything that God has graced them to do. And Jesus is saying here, when we do that, when we partner with them, when we honor them, we get to connect to the very same grace that is available on their lives. Amen. So simply put, just to paraphrase this whole um, passage of scripture that we just read in Matthew 10, uh, 40, 40 to 41, Jesus is saying, there is a reward for partnering with God in the preaching of the gospel. Amen. You know, my first encounter with partnership was actually on a TV broadcast. And I honestly, honestly thought that partnership was just some televangelist in America's way, just a clever idea that some televangelist, maybe in America, I don't know, Europe, um, some clever idea that they'd come up with to actually raise funds or to actually fundraise. But church, the truth of the matter is partnership is so, so, so much more than that. Partnership is a God idea. 
Partnership is God's modus operandi. It's God's MO for preaching the gospel. God wants to partner with us. Don't get it twisted. God is very capable of getting this gospel preached to the ends of the world. I mean, if God could use a donkey to get a message to a prophet, he can most certainly make sure that his word is, is preached across this world. But he has a much better idea. He has a much better plan for all of us. And that plan is partnership. God wants to co-labor with us. He wants to partner with us in the preaching of the gospel, not because he wants to take away from us, church. God is not a taker. He's a giver. God wants us to partner with him in the preaching of the gospel so that he can get us to connect to the grace that is available in partnership and so that he can get the blessing to begin to flow in our lives. So partnership is, partnership is just an awesome truth. Amen. Let us go quickly, it's probably my second last verse, to Luke 4, verse 24. I'm going to read it in the King James translation of the Bible. But before I begin um, to read this version, what, what we're getting ready to read here is we, we're getting ready to read Jesus' commentary on Elijah, the prophet Elijah, concerning honor and, and, and partnership. So I think what I probably should do is just paraphrase a little bit about that story before we get to Luke 4. What we find in, in 1 Kings, I believe it's chapter 27, is that there, it was a time of great famine. So the word of the Lord came to prophet Elijah, and the word told him to go to a brook called Cherith. And the word of the Lord also told him that at that brook, he was going to be supernaturally provided for by birds. And here I've got to say, not just any ordinary birds, that he was going to be supernaturally taken care of by ravens. And for those who know the, the, you know, the animal kingdom and, you know, or the hierarchy of animals, I mean, ravens are the greediest bird. They're actually the greediest animal known to mankind. And so this was a, a, a really supernatural act of provision. Not only was Elijah going to be fed uh, by water in the brook, but also he was going to be fed by a greedy bird whose natural inclination is to not share with anyone. But these greedy birds fed Elijah. These ravens fed Elijah day and night, and he was sustained at that brook. But then the story goes, and it says, it came to pass. Again, the word of the Lord came to Elijah when the brook had dried up. And the word of the Lord said to, to Elijah to go to a city called Sarabath, and there he'd meet a widow. And so Elijah obeyed. He went to a city called Zarephath, and there he met a widow. And the story goes that this widow gave Elijah his, her last meal. In other words, this widow partnered with Elijah. And how did she do it? She gave him her very last meal. And so we see, because of this, this very same widow received what's called an endless supply of flour and oil for three and a half years. So that was a supernatural uh, uh, miracle that happened both to her and to Elijah. Amen. Amen. Now that we have some background, let's go quickly then to 11, Luke 4, and we'll read uh, verse 24. It says, then he said, so Jesus speaking again, he says, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now that word accepted is the word honor. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying a prophet doesn't have honor in his own town. And I, I believe the reason for this is because of the spirit of familiarity 
they have a saying, they say familiarity breeds what? Contempt. Sometimes when people get too familiar with people, with ministries, even with churches, even with the word of God itself, they stop themselves from receiving grace or the grace that is available to them. And so Jesus then goes on and he starts to use the analogy of the widow to whom Elijah was sent, right? So that story that I was telling you. And here his main aim is really to try and describe how the issue of honor is so important when it comes to partnering. So Jesus carries on and he says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. So that's three and a half years. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. Next verse. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So evidently what we can establish in this passage of scripture is that God was not ignorant of the fact that there were many needy widows in Israel in that time of great famine, right? I'd like to believe, therefore, that the call to partnership was made available to all those widows. Amen? And I say this because according to Acts 10 verse 34, it says God is not a respecter of persons. And that, 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 that just simply means God does not show favoritism. God does not show partiality. And so what this means is that all the widows in Israel during that great time of famine, they all had an equal opportunity to receive the supernatural miracle of an endless supply of flour and oil for three and a half years. They could have, they could have received this miracle if they had partnered with Elijah. But they didn't honor the grace instruction. I believe they didn't honor the grace that was available to them. Perhaps they, it might have been because they were too familiar with Elijah. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is they did not respond to the call of partnership. And only one widow, the widow at Zarephath, to whom the scripture actually tells us Elijah was actually sent only to her. And I believe the reason why Elijah was sent only to her is because she had honor in her heart. I believe she had the honor to obey God's grace instruction. And here I've got to say there was definitely a grace of supernatural provision that she must have perceived on Elijah's life. Because let's, let's be truthful here. Not everyone is fed by ravens daily. At a time of great famine, not everyone is fed supernaturally by the most greediest of animals. She must have perceived that Elijah had the supernatural grace of provision on his life. And so when she offered her last meal to Elijah, effectively when she partnered with Elijah in the preaching of the gospel, she too received the same grace of supernatural provision in her life. And she was miraculously sustained for three and a half years. Amen. As a side note, and this is really something that I believe. I believe that it actually took her a little bit longer to get to a place where she was actually ready to obey. And the, and the reason why I say this, church, is because Elijah had to go to the brook to be fed by birds. And we've just established from all the scriptures that we've read that God's perfect will, God's perfect plan 
is to partner with mankind in the preaching of the gospel. God didn't make provision for birds to partner with him in the preaching of the gospel. So I truly believe that she might have taken a little bit of time to position her heart to obey the grace instruction of God. But the story ends really well because I believe that once God perceived her heart to be ready to receive his instruction, that brook dried up. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him to go to the widow. Amen. In closing, let's go quickly to 2 Corinthians 12 verse 13. And we're going to read it in the Amplified Classic Translation. This is such an awesome verse on partnership. Love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12 verse 13 in the Amplified Translation. This is Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And he says, For in what respect were you put to a disadvantage in comparison with the rest of the churches? So Paul's starting to ask the church at Corinth uh, uh, quite, a, quite an interesting question, right? He says, for in what respect were you actually made inferior to other churches? For in what respect did, were you actually put at a disadvantage to other churches? Now, you've got to realize this was quite a profound statement that Paul was making. Because the church at Philippi, a church at Corinthians was really doing some amazing things. I mean, here was a church that Paul says was flowing in all the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. I mean, there was a word of wisdom, a word of prophecy. There were healings. There were mighty, amazing things that were happening in this very church. But yet Paul says, how, in what way? Were you actually put at a disadvantage relative to other churches, which we're not actually even seeing these miraculous things happen in their churches? And then he tells them, he says, unless it was for the fact that I myself did not burden you with my financial support. And so now what Paul starts to reveal to the church at Corinth is he starts to say the reason why you were actually put at a disadvantage relative to all the other churches is because Paul had not given this specific church an opportunity to partner with him financially in the preaching of the gospel. You see, unlike the disciples that we read about in Matthew 10, remember where Jesus told them not to take any money with them to go out and preach on, the, the, go out on their journey of preaching the gospel? Well, what we see here is we see Paul had actually taken his own money and he'd taken it upon himself to use his own money to take care of himself while he was ministering to this very same church. He then goes on and he says something that's so profound. He says, pardon me for doing you this injustice. So what we see Paul here, we see Paul asking the church at Corinth for forgiveness, for taking an offering. You know, in the times that we live in, people get excited when they go to churches that don't take offerings. In the days that we're living in, people actually celebrate when the church is being taken care of by foreign missionaries. When the truth of the matter is really this. They're being deprived of an opportunity to partner. They're being deprived of the benefits that come with partnering with God in the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Paul actually puts it this way in other translations of the Bible. I'm going to share with you. The NLT, he says, please forgive me for doing this wrong. 
the GNT, Good News Translation, says, please forgive me for being so unfair. And I love the message translation because Paul just tells it like it is. He says, well, I'm sorry. Forgive me for depriving you. You see, what Paul understood then and what we need to understand now is that it is an injustice when we are not given an opportunity to connect to the grace that is available to us through partnership. It is wrong, church. It is unfair when we are not invited to participate in the financing of the preaching of the gospel. Amen. So in closing, God is looking for partners, church. God is looking for distribution centers. And I tell you, as you step out in faith, in partnership, and I like what Dillian said so much. She said, you know, uh, be diligent about it. And, and it reminds me of a story when I caught a hold of this revelation around partnership. I was an analyst at the bank many, many years ago. And you, uh, for all of you who know, analysts, occupy the lowest, lowest position in any organization. So I really wasn't making money. And so when I caught a hold of this revelation and the benefits that, that come with partnering with ministers, ministries that are preaching the gospel, I, 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 I was stirred up in my heart to start where I was. And I want to encourage you this morning, start where you are. I started partnering with an international ministry that's preaching the gospel to many. And I started with 50 rands started with 50 rands that I gave consistently, diligently, and constantly. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that as we speak right now, God has given us such an abundance in our lives that not only are we still partnering with the same ministry, and our partnership is, is integer multiples of that 50 rands that I gave, uh, you know, really at the very you know, long, long ago. But God has also given us such an abundance that we're able to, to partner with about four or five different other ministries. I tell you, church, that as you step out in faith, in giving towards the preaching of the gospel, God will supernaturally take care of your needs, not according to your job, not according to your, your, the economy, not according to your job grade or your title, not even according to your bank account. But when you begin to partner with God in the preaching of the gospel, God will supernaturally begin to meet your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.